It's episode 121 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi. And I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with a woman who I just thought was the coolest for years. She's actually a family <laughs> friend uh, of my cousins and my late aunt, uh, Patrice. And I'm talking about Rochelle Payne, a creative life coach, and also one part of the duo of Laughing Lane Creatives. Welcome. Thank you, Brittany. And I'm going to say your last name, which I don't hear people say a lot, but I know it and I love it because I love your family, Brittany Mute. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've always known who you were and, um, you know, the side of the family that you are close with. I mean, I've admired for years for always being their own unique selves and always embracing, you know, I mean, whatever it was that they fancied at the time. And, um, and of course you came along with that. And I love too, especially that you knew my aunt because she was just so just one of those people that I feel like you meet once in a lifetime, you know, and I, I love that you got to know her. She was a diamond and, uh, Man, darn, I should have brought some tissue uh, to our visit because I'm already feeling like my heart really open and um, just a lot of love for your family. And that includes you. And so this is just a really great time to, especially during the holidays, to connect with those that we love. And absolutely. So, okay. So, um, you know, we're going to kind of go back in time to like how you started off because you're an artist. You started off as a performance artist. Um, and, and currently, I mean, of course you're still an artist, but you're also a creative life coach. And that to me is so perfect because I started doing something rather than new year's resolutions. I started doing word of the years. So my, you know, word of the year for 2020, word of the year, 2021. And I was guided to word of the year for 2021 create. And so I know, and so I'm like, and you are a creative life coach, which is such an interesting little synchronicity to me. And I can't wait to talk to you about that. But first and foremost, have you always been an artist? Has it always been something that was innate that you've done since, since a child? You know, we all have stories that we tell ourselves, and my story starts in the womb. So I'm adopted and I was born in Austin, which is, you know, the keep it weird capital of the world. And I am, I was born in 1969, which is probably, you know, the keep it weird uh, decade of our history. <laughs> and when I began to think about who I was as a young girl, I equated who I was with where I believed I came from, which was Austin, 1969, and whoever those fabulous people were that conceived me. And in my mind, they it was kind of a mythological, um, you know, wild child, you know, <laughs> whole scenario. And I thought of Austin as my motherland because I didn't know, like, what my heritage was exactly. Um, I knew what the family that I loved and grew up with, I knew what their heritage was, but I never took much ownership of that because it wasn't what was in my blood. And I desperately, not desperately, but I've just very much wanted to know my birth family. And so I created this place for who I was coming out of Austin and all of the weirdness and expressiveness and creativity and spirituality that was were the seeds of Austin. And um, 
as it's happened, fast forward uh, about three years ago on Christmas Eve, I got to meet my birth family. Wow. And, yeah, I uh, I was given the gift of Ancestry.com and I was just kind of curious about where I came from, where were my roots. And my aunt that I grew up with asked me, if you find if you find out who they are, do you want to meet them? Or, and I said, well, if there's no drama is what was of my course. answer. And my dad who raised me said, um, well, why would there be any drama? I think he meant from himself. He was really so super open to all this. And, um, I said, no, I just want it to be easy. If it can be with joy and ease, then I will follow that path. But the minute it starts getting mucked up and, Mm -hmm. complicated, then that's not where I'm supposed to go. And, um, as it happened within three days of me, like scurrying through all of the information that I got from ancestry, I discovered this man who fit all of the criteria that would have had to have happened for me, um, from a birth father and he had passed away. And that's the reason he was showing up on my, um, my profile. Right. And one thing led to another. And I think over the course of three weeks or so, I was making a phone call to my birth mother saying, can you call me back? I would like to speak to you. And she did. And as it happened, she had been dropping little seeds on the internet to find me. And wow. I, we just had never quite, you know, hit it. And then when we did, you know, now I have a birth sister that I talk to um, on a regular basis. My um, my mother who raised me has passed away, but my family is so incredibly um, embracing of this. My dad, and this is just amazing <laughs> for any kid who's adopted and is this thing that I'm about to say just could blow your mind. My father that raised me when I call him on my phone there's a picture of me and my birth siblings that pops up wow yeah wow <laughs> I mean that's acceptance and and that yes. just blew my mind and my heart so wide open I had to take the first part of 2019 off because I had so much love flowing through me that I had to kind of recalibrate my heart mm -hmm. to be a part of that. So that's where my beginnings are. They're in that myth of what I came from and what I created from it. I still and love that so much, you know, because it, it really is like a blank slate in, in that situation. And so you can kind of make it what you want to be. Yes. I think that's what 2020 has done for us too. It's created a blank slate. Absolutely. Um, when you were talking about a word of the year, um, I am now reclaiming 2020 with a new word. It's not the word I would have claimed at the beginning, but I'm claiming the word pivot because mm -hmm. I've been doing this, like this little tap dance all through 2020, pivoting physically, pivoting emotionally, pivoting my business, just all these little pivots and I see the world trying to do that. And yes. That, so that's the word that I've claimed for 2020. And I, I love it because it's, there's no um, judgment that comes with a pivot. It's just a small turn, 
but you can take it out as far as you want and that small angle can turn into a huge um, change of course for you. I love that. And I love that you, as 2020 progressed into the year it has, you realize like, okay, it's time maybe for, you know, like you said, the word to, to be altered and the purpose to be altered. Um, cause I couldn't agree more 2020, I called it the year of endings, which sounds really serious and sad. And I guess it can be at times, but it's also like an opportunity for, for just new for growth, for, you know, closed doors are now leading to open ones kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think the human collective as a whole is a, a lot more, uh, appreciative of, of what went down, even though it, it was, it was rough. I mean, still kind of for some people, but wild uh so when what was your first kind of experience with expressing yourself through artistic means when I was really young um again my part of my adoption story I um I loved to dance I was this little tiny little child like people thought I was a doll walking around at six months I think or eight months I was walking and wow really tiny and at a year when I went to um, the judge for him to see me around the adoption, they kept me in there for like an hour and supposedly I was entertaining them. So my my mom signed me up for dance classes and I was a little ham. Um, I was in performance in elementary school, doing choir, all of the talent shows. And then once I got that chance to claim an elective, (laughs) that was like a rite of passage. You Mm -hmm. know, I had to decide between, did I want to do something with band or did I want to do something with, what is this thing, drama? What is this this theater thing? And so that's what I chose. And I was in love. Uh, It was, I didn't, would never need a drug really because that was my drug being on stage I felt so high and also it became like a theater uh not just a theater but like a sacred space for me um if if you or anyone who's listening has ever been in a play before and you know the night before the performance you you do that last rehearsal and a lot of times that's where all the shit starts to hit the fan because (laughs) getting their lines and people are coming in at different places that they're not supposed to. And you go home thinking we are not going to be able to pull this off. And when you go back that next night to do your first performance, for me, it often feels like your the divine mystery steps in and becomes part of the cast and everything just kind of falls in place. And, um, that's where I kind of my spirituality includes that thing there showing up to the page showing up to the canvas showing up to the theater showing up to the relationship showing up to whatever it is I'm trying to create and helping me navigate that chaos that shows up in creativity and so I love that I love that so much I did theater from junior high to high school and um, had to really advocate for myself with my family that I was going to do it and got my degree, my um, undergraduate degree in theater. 
um, from A&M Corpus Christi. And along that, the way is when my mom passed away. Now, my mom, her name is Charlotte. She was an artist also. So she was painting in the house. My brother was a visual artist. And I could not ever <laughs> do anything with visual arts. I would draw these teeny tiny little um, trees, like little oak trees that were maybe about the size of your thumbprint with a pencil. And I'd lay the pencil on the side and I just kind of do these like little swirls. And to me, that was the best I could do at drawing. And when my mom passed away, I inherited her art supplies. Oh, wow. And yeah, like it was a rite of passage. That woman knew what she was doing. She passed those on to me and I took them with me into therapy, into counseling, to grief counseling. And I began to do non-dominant hand drawing, which is taking a hand that you don't write with and having a conversation between your inner little baby child self and the part of yourself that is wise and, and has wild instinct and letting those two have a conversation on the page with image, like drawing, and then also dialoguing back and forth. Interesting. yeah, I, that was the first thing that I would do. And because you're drawing with, I'm right-handed, drawing with my left hand, you know it's going to look bad. Mm-hmm. So you give up. You give in to that idea of perfection and you go with pure self-expression. And through that, you are accessing the part of yourself that is pure creativity because it's not trying to show up for someone's um, living room wall. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to show up to get $25 or 150 or $2,000. Mm-hmm. It's showing up for you to give you, to reflect something that's going on in you, in your heart, in your energetic field, in the relationships that you're in. It's showing up for you. And that's how I became a visual artist was through that means. And isn't that interesting? Because at first you were like, no way, I can't do this. Like I am not a visual artist at all. Yeah. And now if you ask most people in my community that know me, they think of me first as a visual artist Mm -hmm. and have no idea that, you know, my other side hustle when I'm blessed enough to be able to do it is that I do plays with second graders and uh, take nine or not 90, but I think it's like 65 second graders. And in the course of two hours, we're putting on a play. Wow. Where do you do this? I do that through the art museum of South Texas. That's right. You're a former arts educator at the art museum. Yes. Yeah. And still get a chance to do that. Um, I, it's a contract that I love staying with. I started doing that work um, probably when I was about, 18 or 19 and on and off have continued to do that now into my fifties. How? Okay. So clearly you love it and clearly you're good at it. I mean that, that to me, especially working with kiddos that young, I mean, it has to be all magic and all wonder and they, I'm sure they're, I mean, they're just more than willing to, to put themselves out there kind of, uh, when it comes to the performance. So that, that sounds so so fun. And you, to me, you're the perfect person to be doing that kind of thing. 
Thank you. And, and the fun, another fun part about that is that I get paired usually with another female performer, performing artist. Um, and so having a partner that you get to do something creatively with, so performance, but then also running uh, 60 kids through a two hour performance, that's a whole nother art in and of itself, you know, so Absolutely. we're like relationally figuring that out. And I've, I've had the opportunity to work with so many amazing performance artists through that opportunity. It's just been really good. So you, I looked at a little bit at your bio kind of thing on your website. And so it says that you started off as a performance artist. And so what, mm -hmm. how do you define a performance artist? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, usually for me, it's like you expressing yourself using your body and your voice for an audience of one or more. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. And sometimes performance artists might, um, it might be through dance and movement. You're right. That's what I think um, about typically. So it might be through, um, theater, performing theater, uh, or spoken word. You know, that's one of the ways when I was hanging out a lot with your family, when your cousin Milena had the Lotus Cup yes, back in the day. I know. <laughs> and that to me, because we that, that's Corpus in the 90s, right? Yeah, 90s, late 90s. Yeah. yeah, and that to me was just like, so you didn't see that kind of thing in Corpus. Like where you guys were um, and the, the location and like the all the little businesses that were there and the drum circles and everything like that. That was like, I guess, I, how old was I? I had to have been a teenager at the time. It was um, incredible that that kind of stuff was happening. It opened up a whole new world for me. For me, too. I mean, when I found it, it was like finding my people. You know, I've talked about feeling like I came from that vibe of Austin. And that was like a little piece of Austin and Corpus. And as soon as I could, I opened a business there. I had my massage therapy business there. At a little gallery in the front, we were doing Nia and Tai Chi. We had just all kinds of amazing things happening through uh, that space, and um, and again, collaboration and ha finding your circle of people who were your creatives that that you're a part of. And that's the first time I ever heard someone talk about the creatives mm -hmm. and creative culture. Um, someone was reading a book and they talked about the creatives and this is going to be the next big movement. And I remember very quietly in my heart wishing that I could be part of that movement. Mm -hmm. How Yeah, I know I am. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at what you're doing. And I want to touch on something that you mentioned uh, a little while ago, whenever you were doing the um, non-dominant hand drawing. So, you sp said that like once you let go of any expectations about how the, it should look and what it would be worth, quote unquote, as when the true creativity was allowed to express itself. And to me, I think especially now that creativity is so intertwined with what's profitable and what's, for lack of a better word, perfect or beautiful, that the real purpose of it can get lost. And so why do you think that is? Uh, it, it's the same reason we sometimes won't just express ourselves like what's on our heart because the ov over culture of our society has expectations about the way we should be. 
you know, they should on us. They should on us the way we look. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whether a woman looks this way or moves that way or the house that we live in. And I know anyone who's listening to this has some space in their life where they feel that. And for me, um, art, you know, I, I work in the realm of, of creativity and visual creativity. So we are selling our art. You know, we set up on a weekly basis to sell our art. And there are conversations that my husband and I have all the time about how to separate what we make for our pop-up shops from what we make for our spirit. Mm -hmm. And that what we make in our pop-up shops also should be feeding our spirits mm -hmm. as well as hopefully feeding the spirits of the people who are coming to it. But, um, just because I create it doesn't mean that someone who comes into my booth can't find fault with it. Right. And sometimes challenge me on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> we do, you get challenges sometimes like what does this symbol mean? Or, you know, all kinds of things. And, and that's fine. That's part of our culture that we live in. But I think when I take that off the table that, and nobody has to see what I make and it doesn't have to be viewed with any kind of audience in mind, except for myself and who I choose to share it with that more of my self can fully bring itself out into that sacred space that I set up that field of safety that field of um th there's this word called timonos and i love this word it's this idea of a, a space where we're safe enough to be unsafe Ooh, i like that i'm writing that down timonos. and i think what the word originally was is like in greek or roman mythology this was i believe an island where the gods could come and kind of let down their guard and they didn't have to be gods anymore mm-hmm and so when we come to the page and we come to the journal or we come to our creative space in a way where we can drop that idea of being perfect and being godlike, you know, for everyone else, however it is, the image that they want us to hold for them, and we just get to be what is innate in us, then we can access something that is priceless. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Dang, girl, you are dropping some gems right now and I am here for it. <laughs> I mean, truly. Uh, and I also really like that you keep referencing, you know, um, the energy that's involved whenever you're creating and the safe space and the divine space, because I'm not sure a lot of people are aware that whenever they're truly in the zone of creating something, that there is a divine presence, um, ultimately involved with, with the process. And, uh, I know you guys are extremely aware of it. And I mean, I think that's part of the reason why you're so tuned in and, and doing, you know, the kind of artwork that you do and the kind of work that you do, um, especially when it comes to being a creative life coach. So you actually help people tap into their innate creativity. And how did you decide to start pursuing that as a career? So uh, I had this misconception you know, after I got my mask, my, um, after I started doing theater and I was going through counseling, I knew that I wanted to help people in that space. Like I wanted to help them discover themselves. 
And because I had discovered myself on the page with a pen in hand and engaging my creativity very fully and wildly, you know, like without holding back, I kind of thought that that's what counseling was about. Um, and it can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I decided that I wanted to become a counselor and I went and I got my master's in counseling and congratulations. I, That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I really, at one point the program here was not including a lot of creativity. And so I went to the head of the program and I said, you know, I, this was not my first choice of school. The school that I wanted to go to had more creativity involved in it, but I fell in love with this guy and we decided to stay here in my hometown. And so I want the best of both worlds. I want the guy and I want the education that I really dream of. And he said, let's make it happen. And you, you know, find someone who's willing to do this with you and you can do independent study um, using art and, and creativity, especially creativity in counseling. And wow. I found a professor who was willing to do that. She took me under her wing. We started writing, creating um, what in counseling would be called interventions, where, you know, you have a problem and you're going to intervene using creativity. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was able for about a year to really dive into expressive arts I was published in a book with some of my interventions, which was what? like the height of my life. Yeah. Yes, and, that's huge. Yes. And I was I was honored at one point um, as a grad student at a national level and invited to go out to the West Coast and present there. And and then I started working with clients at the women's shelter, which is now called the purple door. Yes. And, um, really rich work. I had an amazing, amazing mentor, uh, Paulette Myers, Shaw Myers, who I think was at the women's shelter working with women for about 20 years, Wow. 20 years. This woman dedicated her life to, uh, women who were sexually abused, um, or through domestic violence. And, um, I love when I find people that know her and saw can see that impact. And I got to work with her for a year. And um, at the end of that year, I realized that the work that I really, really, really wanted to do in my heart wasn't pure counseling. Um, although I have a lot of respect for it. And that kind of work shows up in ways in the life coaching that I do, mm -hmm. but that I wanted to have, um, I wanted to work with people who were um, maybe didn't need exactly the kind of work that a counselor does. So maybe it wasn't that their life was really like on the edge and they were having to go deep, deep, deep into trauma and to like recreate their life in that way. Right. That I wanted to work with people maybe who are just like either coming out of that or in tandem with a, a counselor. Uh, a counseling experience and to be able to work with people who wanted to use their creativity to create their life. And that might include doing painting and drawing or whatever it was that their creative spirit wanted to do. But it also might be the person who um, like 
my husband isn't my client, but I love to use this example. My husband, Eric, he has a passion for the planet mm-hmm. and feels a little bit held back about how to make an impact on the planet. So he decided if he could do one thing that might make an impact, it would be to grow a garden in our backyard. And, you know, I grew up with my family having a garden in the backyard. And for me, that wasn't, that wasn't about them saving the planet. But at this point in our evolution, the more people that have backyard gardens, the more healthy our planet is going to be. And he shares his plant, his garden on social media And he's been an artist since he's a little boy, but I have more people come up to him like at the farmer's market where they're around a bunch of farmers and they come up to the artist and they say to him, thank you so much for sharing your garden on social media. It inspires me. Wow. Yeah. And so that's using your creativity to create your life and to make a bigger impact on things that you want to have an impact on. So it feeds his spirit as well as feeding our family. And now we have this badass backyard that when you walk (laughs) into the back of it, literally I was sitting there, we've had this house for 14 years, right before the call, I was sitting in my rocking chair looking at the birds and I was thinking there's so much life in this backyard and I have not spent very much time in it for 14 years Look at all this life that I missed out on. Mm -hmm. But because my husband chose to use his creativity and is sharing it with the world, and I happen to be the closest person in the world to him, I get the benefit of that. Absolutely. That is so cool. I'm going to start following him whenever this interview is done because I'm very curious. I'm amazed at people who can cultivate a garden on um, like in a residential area. That, That kind of stuff amazes me. Well, and what I've learned from him is that to do it imperfectly. And that's been a theme for me this year as part as part of pivoting is if I pivot and I think I have to step into that pivot perfectly, then I will go nowhere. Yes. So even when, you know, I, I changed the name of my business, it was Creativity Tribe. And I was trying to do a lot of things with that. And with the whole, when the whole thing happened where um, social justice really became so important and the social uprisings were happening Mm -hmm. in the midst of 2020, I knew that I had to drop the word tribe Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be a better ally to um, the BIPOC community. Yes. And um, that that was one way I could do that is by not using a word that for some people in the indigenous communities feels like a, a word of, confinement and um, power over them mm-hmm. rather than support mm-hmm. with them. And so then it was like, well, if I'm not creativity tribe, what the, what am I, right. you know? And, um, but props so, to you for, for making that step, right. And totally reevaluating the identity of your brand for the better good. That's amazing. Thank you. It's, it's, because I loved my business, it is sometimes still a challenge for me, but I love where my business is going. And, um, I love the work that I'm getting to do and the, the intersections that I'm getting to have with people. Um, coming back though, to that life coaching question, that, that creative life coaching, one of the first ways I ever knew 
of something that I wanted to do with my life that would have meaning is that I remember several instances of standing in an auditorium like a or a cafeteria mm-hmm. and seeing someone perform live and being brought to tears when other people weren't not because of what they were creating but just that they dared to create you know yes. there'd be a kid up there and I would be bawling because look this eight-year-old is I don't know popping on stage you know yes <laughs> and and I'm like, this kid is bringing it. Or the times, like, um, for a while I worked at, at um, not, I, look, I worked at Cal Allen with at-risk kids. And there was this kid that got made fun of in, at the school. And he was kind of on my radar. But he showed up for an open mic event that we had. And he read his poetry and he had more respect from his peers after that because he brought his creativity to his life. Mm-hmm. And then I could just see the impact that it would have for people. And I knew that because I knew the impact it had for me, that I could walk people through that journey to have creativity in their life. And that some people really crave to have community around their creativity yes and so and including myself you know oh me too I've had three really strong circles of people that I've been part of throughout the year in different ways that if I didn't have those circles of creatives for me to tap into that things would have been just a hard year but because I had those creatives it has been an exceptional year in a lot of ways. That's fantastic. That thrills me. And so whenever you go to your website and look at, you know, your being a creative life coach, one of the biggest, it seems concerns people have is, well, I'm just not creative. And so how do you handle that? Well, I try to have a conversation is the first way just to, and that kind of helps me see where they're coming from. Um, and then you know, I, I recently started uh, taking a coaching certification class that's lasting like a year, which is beautiful because I want it to last my whole life. It's just my jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, you know, now instead of having that conversation with them, I would just invite them into cre- creating something with me there in the moment and let them discover for themselves. And if it feels like it something feels bright and on fire for them in a good way, then they can continue on their own. Um, I am not at a place in my life right now where I feel like I need to convince every single person that they're creative, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, I've really been trying to identify who my who is. Yeah. (laughs) You know, who are my people? Who's my soul person, my soul client, my beloveds. And it's the people who are flirting with creativity in some way. Okay. And so, you know, if they're feeling a little turned on by creativity and they would like to see how that can have an impact in their life, then I think we've got some place that we can dance together and and explore. And that's really my who. And for people who just will not lean into my belief that, they have an innate creativity. 
that's okay. We could play if they want for a little bit. And if they're just not jammed, it's not their jam, then they don't have to come along for the ride. I think that's, that's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, that's beautiful because yeah, you're, you, it doesn't matter what you say to anyone, like until they believe it, like even a, like a glimmer of it, there's, there's, there's only so much you can do, but uh, mm -hmm. I love that you're still willing to, you know, hang out with them and, and uh, attempt to create something. I mean, even temporarily, like it might, you know, spark something. Sure. I also, I also know because I work with children that some people start off in a kind of oppositional stance. And so they might just want to have that challenging conversation about, oh yeah, you know, you think you're creative and I believe that, but I'm not creative. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes can be their, a wound talking. And so I think by giving them the opportunity to play and to be curious about, you know, to be creatively curious that they can get past that, um, that block that they are speaking into the world and speak a new, a new story. That's a very uh, good point that I don't think is discussed much is often we can have false beliefs about our capabilities based on, like you said, I mean, some sort of wound or misinterpretation uh, earlier in life. And um, it's interesting and beneficial to explore that and lean into it as opposed to just shutting it out. And I think creativity is actually an excellent way of identifying and kind of uh, mitigating that block. Yes. And the work that I'm doing right now really does like go into that place where there's cognitive dissonance, where we have these two parts of ourselves that are not in alignment and the page. And I'm, I'm speaking about the page because I, the journal has become the tool that I'm using right Me now too. for creative life coaching. Um, in fact, I have some clients that have been with me for years who don't work with me using the, um, the journal, but anybody who starts working with me anywhere from the last couple of months into the future, that will be the thing that comes with us. It's going to be me, you, my journal and your journal. And that becomes a view screen for us to see what's going on in the inner world and our hands and the tools that we use, the markers and the paints and the pens and pencils and things, those are this like magic wand that allows us to see inside. And you can then see the places where there's stuckness. And then you can help to curate a new consciousness through moving the pen and um, giving the subconscious access to see itself right there on the page. And it's, it's so energizing. In 2020, I have filled, I'm going to show a book to you. I know not everyone can see it, yes, but please. this is a big book. I have filled probably three of these books full of journaling drawings and awakenings. And this is a book that's bigger than my head. <laughs> it is. It's, it's huge. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's hundreds and hundreds of pages. You know, I was showing my husband the other day. I said, oh, my God, have, do you realize all the journaling I've done this year? Um, but I, I know now that that kind of journaling and that kind of immediate access to the things that we can't see inside, that it gives 
physicality to the mystery and the divine that is floating around inside of us. And why shouldn't we use it? It is amazing. It's a phenomenal tool. That is beautiful. And uh, it's interesting to me that you've been utilizing journaling so much because, I mean, when I was younger, it was constant journaling, right? And not holding anything back. I mean, you would go back and read it and be like, (laughs) wow. But uh, this year I picked one back up because I mean, you know, I think everybody kind of had their own individual struggles with this year and I am included and found that journaling was the most effective way of just unleashing I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I just went, got down and dirty on that journal. And I mean, it was so cathartic, like uh, incredibly healing. I, I can't emphasize it enough. And to me, you, expressing yourself in that kind of way has a, its root in creativity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really, I really got so. something out of it. Well, one of the things that I'm exploring more and more is how to create a kind of container or a framework on the page, some kind of drawing that you can then put your ideas into it and that it inspires your ideas and that you can view some part of your um, your awareness through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I've been playing with is the wheel of the year. So yes. Way, you don't know about the wheel of the year. I, I the saw wheel. a little bit of it. And I'm glad you brought it up. Tell us more. My mind. I'm, I'm uh, having so much fun. So the wheel of the year is this way of looking at the passing of the seasons that happens in one year. And it's a, a graphic form of that. If anyone's curious, they can look it up on Pinterest. There are a thousand different wheels of the year. But the thing that they have in common is that they have the seasons And um, I thought, what would it be like for us to look back at 2020 in this circular form and ride that wheel of the year and document some of the things that have happened? And I had in mind to share this with my beloveds, my clients, my, the public, you know, I've made it very public. Um, It's an open invitation to anyone who wants to play along in that space But in order to get there, I was like, what kind of information do I want to show on my wheel Mm -hmm. of the year? And I started with COVID because that was the kind of main character of 2020. Absolutely. And I went back through locally all of the different um, city council meetings. And I recorded like what our numbers were locally of how many cases we had, how many deaths that we had. And those showed up on my wheel. And then I could go in and who did I lose this year? Who did I lose? I lost people to COVID and I lost people to old age, thank mm-hmm. God. And for other reasons as well. But I went in and I I documented the people I had lost because loss was a big part of this year. Yes. And then and then my home life, what it looked like inside our home. And I documented that and that kind of thing. And, and when I stepped away from that wheel, it was just so powerful to see that much, what we think of as chaos, all of those thoughts, all of those experiences, all tapped down into one page that I can look at 20 years from now and say, oh yeah, I remember these highlights for the good, bad, the ugly, the transformation, the feeling, all of it in one place. 
And so I have an e-course that I've started that I'm inviting people to. It's totally free. I want to have as many people there that feel called to it to unpack 2020 and um, to be given different ways to look at it using the page, using the pen, markers, easy things. This is so But to be able neat. to find a way. When does it kick off? Is this the event that's on the 18th? Yes, okay. it's on the 18th. Um, I had created an e-course because I wanted to give people the opportunity to set space for it, get their mind around it a little bit. Then we'll have a Zoom um, for about an hour and a half on the 18th in the evening, 7 o'clock our time, central. <laughs> and um, then there are some follow-up parts to it. Um, like I've created a Pinterest board with a bunch of wheels of the year that I think people might have fun looking through those. Um, I have a, a journaling exercise that asks a question, a prompt that if you use it, you can kind of like really see where your mind goes in sort of a poetic journaling freestyle and some other things that, that I want to share with people. I absolutely love that. And I, I, it's a really good way, like you said, for people to unload, to kind of, um, take inventory of where they've been and where they are over the course of mm -hmm. this year. I think it's an excellent idea for, for people to do this and maybe just kind of maybe let it out once and for all, right? And and uh, document it yeah, and let and it be. If have, even if you feel like this is the most magnificent year, that can be reflected on the page for you. Mm -hmm. And I've had people, when I say, oh, I'm doing this, they're like, oh, but my year wasn't very bad. I said, well, let's write that down. Exactly. You know, like, let's capture that. And um you know, everyone's is going to be a different expression. And I hope to get to, you know, see each other's work. And if, if the, anyone's like me, they may be called back to that circle time and time again to explore it in different ways. I think that's so great. So where can people go to sign up for this? I have, um, I think maybe the best place is if you went to my Instagram, you could find a link to all my links. And on there, there's a will of the year class. So Instagram is Rochelle Payne Creative. Yes. And there's a link there that goes to my current website. And like I said earlier, I'm in the middle of a lot of pivots. So some things are not quite uh, tapped down the way I might like them to be in a year. But mm -hmm. I'm giving myself permission to be very imperfect. Yes. And in trans. Yeah. So go to that link on Instagram um, or you, you can see it all over my Facebook, which is Rochelle Payne Creative also on Facebook. And it'll take you to my all my links and you can look for the wheel of the year and that will take you to the place to sign up for the class. Excellent. Thank you so much. And guys, check it out. It sounds really cool and it's free. I know that you all had in the past offered some um, courses uh, like the, uh, what is it? Creative, grateful creatives. Are you still going to be doing that kind of thing next year? Do you think? Yeah, that'll be a future course. Um, I'm going to be doing what I'm, I think today I was feeling inspired to do cosmic creativity circles. And this is part of the creativity as in like, I'm drinking some tea Yes. Circle that I've been doing. Um, and sometimes those are free and sometimes they cost a little bit depending All on reasonable. Everything I saw was yeah. reasonable. Thank you. Yes. I also have a Patreon and, uh, thank you for that, plugging that. Yes. That was part of my, my big thing this year was, 
I wanted to be able to give in a way that anybody could take part in what I had to offer and that the people that um, were showing up would be able to, would be able to support me. Yes. And it is hard in the midst of, it can be hard in the midst of a pandemic to say, I need to make money. And I am feeling less and less trouble with that Mm -hmm. because I know that there are probably very few men in the world that are saying to themselves, Oh, um, maybe I shouldn't make money during this time. Mm Mm-hmm. They know that they've got to do what they got to do, right? Well, right. And your well, services are valuable. Yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think any woman who is an entrepreneur who has it on her mind to make money, um, that we usually send that back into the world to make good. Right. And so I think that it's it's a good thing. And so my decision to do Patreon was really about giving myself permission to be in that flow of give and take because I had things that were on my, my heart to give. And so I've created these different levels of giving and receiving. And at every level, there are gifts that you receive. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like to be part of our creative impulse, uh, our creative pulse intensive. And yes, this I'm excited about because this starts in January, right? Yes. Yeah you're not part of Patreon, because at this point, it's cut off for my Patreon, my patrons, um, I'll be offering uh, the Creative Pulse Intensive. This is something I've been doing for years with a kind of secret group of local creatives, entrepreneurs, um, who would say, you know, oh, we really want to kind of mastermind around this, what we're going to do in the coming year or unpack the year that we just had. And so we would meet up at someone's house and I would kind of go in and say, okay, let's mojo together. We called it mojo meetings. And so we would sit down and just ask spirit to show us where we're supposed to be and make these crazy mind maps of what was coming up. And we'd ask questions about our existence as business owners and what for the people. And we would really get into it. And then some of us stopped being business owners, but still participated. And I saw that you could still, just if you wanted to have a creative life, find value in this. So at the middle of this year, I started doing creative pulse intensives with small groups of people sort of as a beta test to see if I could do it. And the responses that I've been getting are really, really beautiful. People are having big ahas. They're showing up more thoroughly to their creativity. They're having more intention about their creativity in their life. They're understanding why they're feeling drawn to things. They're feeling more motivated to do this little thing and then that little thing and then this little thing, you know, and they've got some tools in their hands and a community of people that they know are also doing this. So um, I've stopped doing beta and I'm going to be offering uh, this at the beginning of 2020 or sorry, 2021. Come show up to your creativity. Ask yourself, um, do you want to go on a creative journey this year? And then start the process. And who knows what beautiful things will fall in your lap even in the midst of chaos, like this year, there's been so much beauty, even in probably one of the worst 
years in some ways of our existence yes. um, for those of us who are on the planet currently, but we have created things out of it. So many of us mm -hmm. and made good things and made joy and made beauty and made connections and new energizing ways. And so creative pulse intensive is about that. And it, I never knew it would be my baby, but right now it's the thing that jazzes me up so much because I want to put tools in your hands for you to show up to your creative journey more intensely and with more authenticity and have a better life. That is so incredible. I'm hyped just hearing you talk about it. And again, it's so fitting that my word of the year is create and that this new intensives is starting in January. So I'm, I, I want to be a part of this. So you'll, you'll be seeing and hearing from me probably a lot in 2021. So I'm freaking thrilled for that. Uh, so I wanted to touch briefly on the collaboration that you have with your husband and the laughing lane creative. Yes. Wow. Um, you know, when I started, I fell in love with Eric because partially because he was an artist and he's been doing art since he was a little boy. We have a painting that he did when he was like eight years old of the post office at Luckenbach. Oh, wow. He grew up in the Hill Country? Yeah, he doesn't. Is that the Hill Country? Again? Is that the Hill Country? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Luckenbach, yeah. Texas, mm -hmm. Willie and Waylon and the boys. You didn't know you'd get me to sing, but there you go, folks. <laughs> Lucky y'all. <laughs> And um, so he's been creating and yet he never really created for sell. And then I started doing that and then he started getting interested in it. And some of the things that he would put into my pop-up shop as Creativity Tribe, that was my baby. People were loving what he was creating. Even if on the sidelines I was going, ooh, I don't know if, um, yeah, um, you know, and editing him. <laughs> and as it happens, he has a really good sense of what, what people will be fired up about. Mm -hmm. And so we had the opportunity, I guess it's two years ago now to be part of the Corpus Christi Southside Farmers Market. Yes. And they had become an amazing community for us to really build our creative our, part of our creativity in and including that part where he becomes a gardener, you know, and our art has changed. What we create has changed. How we interact with people has changed. Um, and when I did the pivot, instead of me being Rochelle Payne creative with her husband kind of showing up on the sidelines and taking part of her side hustle, I said, no, I, um, this is not my baby anymore. This is our baby. And you were not going to use creativity tribe, you know, every mm -hmm. week for a year and a half, we had shown up as creativity tribe at the farmer's market. Yeah. COVID hip happened. And we're like, how do we change our name? How do we do that? So, um, Eric's grandmother used to have this place where she would go and pick mushrooms and, dewberries out in the country and when he and I were dating we lived about almost four hours apart and the first big supermoon that I ever remember seeing was um, at a time when he was in the country and I was here in Corpus 
and I went to the bay to watch the supermoon and he went out to this place where his grandmother would collect dewberries and she called it her laughing lane. So I said, well, where are you? And he said, oh, I'm out at laughing lane. She didn't tell everyone in the family that she called it that, but Mm -hmm. she told us. And he said, I'm looking at the moon. And I said, I'm looking at the moon too. And it just hit me that even though we were four hours apart, we were still under that moon together. Yes. And that we were quantumly connected through that amazing thing. And that's kind of become like a little spot of magic for us. And so when we revisioned what we wanted to do with our pop-up, Laughing Lane Creatives became... Well, that was our magic. Why, why not show, share that magic with the world? So our logo is us looking out at the moon. Mm-hmm. And this kind of magical thing and seeing, seeing uh, the shooting stars and stuff. And um, we, we recently made a decision to step away from the every week thing at the farmer's market. Really hard decision for a lot of reasons. Our people are there, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. that's where we see our people. But um, we we really want to put more attention into the life coaching part because I feel like we can bless more people that way. Absolutely. And that's really where my heart is. So we won't disappear as Laughing Lane Creatives, but this will be our last weekend, this weekend coming up as a regular vendor at the farmer's market. And then our plans are to pop up here and there um, and to show up at their craft fairs when we're able to do that, which is what we've been doing for years anyway. Excellent. You guys are so cool. And um, I am just in awe of you and your abilities and how much you care about people and how much you want to tap into their innate abilities and I appreciate you so much for being on with me tonight and sharing with me and having this conversation and and uh it's been fantastic this has been a really beautiful time together thank you so much for including me for thinking of me and and um cheers to to you and for what you're doing to shine a light on the ladies of Corpus Christi that are so beautiful that I am blessed to be a part of Thank you so much, Rochelle.